Hi guys, uh, welcome back to White Collar Brown Girl. Happy, happy, happy Diwali to everyone out there listening. It doesn't matter if you're Indian or South Asian or not. Happy Festival of Lights. This festival is so special in the Indian uh, culture and the Indian community. It represents so much and for me, it represents a renewal and um, just celebrating what you know all the blessings that we have in our life so i want to wish all of the listeners that are tuning in a very special diwali this is going to be such a great year that's coming up ahead of us and i wish you guys nothing but all the blessings in the world i'm so excited to have our diwali special be with divya gurknani who is a friend of mine um, she was one of the first people to come on to Skincare Anarchy, and uh, yeah, I'm just so thrilled. I'm so thrilled to be hosting her, but yeah, um, happy Diwali, and I hope you guys love this episode, and definitely leave some comments. Let me know what you guys ended up doing for Diwali and um, how your day was. All right, guys, stay tuned. episode because I have the immense honor of hosting someone who gave me a chance when I really had no one coming onto my show for Skincare Anarchy and I still remember when she said yes I was so excited so for her to come back for my next podcast is just it's surreal it's amazing it's such a privilege. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to Divya Gugnani, who is the founder of Wander Beauty. Welcome to the show, Divya. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. And thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, it is such an honor to talk to you. I really, really love everything that you've created. You are such a powerhouse when it comes to just, you know, being a businesswoman and just really representing, you know, like, I guess the South Asian community or just women in general, you know, and I really, that's where I want to start is just chat about everything that led up to like everything that you have now, you know, the business, um, the success, everything. Just so if you can get us started, like maybe... Uh, you know, wherever you want to start. Yeah. So um, I started my career in investment banking at Goldman Sachs. I never thought I wanted to be an investment banker. I actually went to Cornell undergrad and thought I would be a lawyer. I studied um, a discipline called policy analysis, which is a mix between government and economics. And I just did an internship uh, in investment banking and I loved it. And I really loved the pace of it, the energy. I think it was a great stepping stone to becoming an entrepreneur because the same frantic pace you experience working on an investment banking floor at an investment bank, very similar to working in a startup in New York um, and <laughs> being an entrepreneur. So I think I got geared in and clued into that early. And that was my first job. I then worked in private equity, invested in late stage businesses, and then shifted over to venture capital, invested in earlier stage businesses. But 
as I mentioned, I got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug and have now co-founded four different businesses, have sold two of them. I've had really the pleasure of starting a business from scratch, growing it, scaling it, um, selling it, and then dealing with what is called the aftermath of working at an acquirer. So okay. I, um, I got started, I really say as an accidental entrepreneur, because typically when you think about someone who's an entrepreneur, you assume in your mind, I think the predisposition is that a born entrepreneur, someone who's dynamic and charismatic and can pitch and talk and dresses the part and looks the part. And I was exactly the opposite of all of that, which really goes to show you that entrepreneurship can take many forms. And yeah. shy, yeah. I was introverted. I grew up in a very traditional, you know, Indian household. And, you know, my parents used to, um, and it's funny because the Bali time really reminds me, like as a kid, my parents used to, you know, host parties, a lot of people and cards and whatnot. And I used to just like hide in the kitchen and cook. And that's really how I developed my love of cooking. But I never that's thought I would be an entrepreneur. And I really, it just, it's, it was many years of building my skill set in finance and accounting and operations. Um, and then, you know, in product and in marketing, and then really going out on my own by happenstance and, you know, seeing success with it and then building the confidence to then do it over and over again. And really, I have developed my skills as an entrepreneur and my ability to to speak, to negotiate, to pitch, you know, real in real time. Over yeah. time, I was not born with it. It did not come to me as some natural gift. And that I think leaves hope to a lot of people that you can be an entrepreneur. It takes many shapes and forms. Yeah, no, I know. I know. And, you know, also like for me, I, I look at, you know, entrepreneurs such as yourself and I think, you know, it, it must have been a journey, right? Because I mean, you've, you're coming from so many different angles. I mean, having, you know, a multicultural background always comes with its pros and its cons. So I want you to kind of talk about that, you know, how that influenced you in terms of the direction that you took and, and the visions that you had for your um, multiple brands that you created, you know, did, did that play in at all? Or how was that? Yeah. Um, sorry, can you repeat that question again, just because you cut Yeah. Out no, it's fine. Um, I, I was saying like, you know, I know that being multicultural, you know, with the background, it's it's very interesting because it comes with so many pros and cons and like it really plays into everything that, um, you yeah. know, you do. Right. So like, how did that influence you when you were creating your brands and, and the whole vision? It's so interesting because I think my parents raised us with the confidence that you could do whatever you set your mind to. And there was a really strong work ethic there. And I played a lot of team sports and I think there was a lot of collaboration and teamwork that went into that. And I think that blend of those things was really the most important thing. I think the Southeast Asian work ethic plays a very important part in being a successful entrepreneur. There's, yeah. there's something to be said about, you can get a lot done and conquer a lot with just sheer determination and hard work, that hustle, generally speaking, immigrant hustle um, is widespread and it can come from many different cultures. And I really lived that. You know, I, I had the example in my house. My father actually lost his job uh, after my sister was born and my mother was in a complete panic because they were living in Springfield, Illinois. My mom's like, oh, I guess we're moving back to India because, you know, your dad doesn't have a job. And he yeah. just 
had this incredible, you know, vision and fortitude and determination to just stay in America and make it work. And he started importing semi-precious jewelry from India. He started doing tie-dye shirts and, you know, the, in the seventies, I mean, he did whatever it took to yeah. make it yeah. work and to feed his family. And I think that so much of that was ingrained in my experience. And so I believe that the value system that you grow up with plays a very important role in how you shape your career. And for me, those values, that hard work, that determination, that fortitude was very much present um, for me as I was making these decisions and you know building my career. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I'm really glad you actually um, shined a light on that aspect of just determination and doing what it takes because you know I know that a lot of stories um, when it, it especially when it comes to the South Asian community and the women and every you know all of us right that really come from immigrant families you know wherever you're from you see how hard your parents worked and it's almost as if it's like there's no excuse for me to not succeed you know mm -hmm. it's like if my parents could do it with minimal, you know, uh, resources at hand and minimal support in a society, which, I mean, I guess prides itself on being, you know, um, inclusive, but really it's not if you take a microscope to it, you know, it, it, it's very, very difficult. And, they, and so I'm really glad that you said that, you know, so, you know, I want to ask you, though, is that when you started your business, like, what were some of the hurdles? Like, you know, what were what were the things that you really kind of had to go up against, you know, especially, you know, not only being a woman, but then we, being a woman of color, you know, and I hate that this question sounds so blunt, but it's, it's real, you know, and I want to, I want to get your perspective on it. I think that it is very challenging to raise money as a woman under 2% of venture capital funding goes to women. And that statistic is way lower for women of color. It's like a fraction of a percent. And so I think there are a lot of obstacles. I think that, you know, people tend to invest in things they know and they understand. And, you know, when a lot of the investors at the table who are controlling capital that's flowing into the market are men, they're investing in things that they know and like. And products and services for women are not things that they are necessarily familiar with and know and like. So I think yeah. that hurdle was there from day one across every business I, you know, um, built and grew there was that challenge um, of having someone understand the business. I, I remember I had this famous venture capitalist in Silicon Valley had a meeting with me and, you know, I sat in the room with him and listen, I gave him credit. Like he didn't understand the business at all. It was for my startup prior to Wander Beauty and his assistant had ordered on the site and she was wearing the, the uh, accessories that she bought and they talked through the packaging and the branding and her impressions and like listen he's relying on the expertise of someone who would use the service which i appreciate but like i was looking to him as a venture capitalist and insight to someone who's built you know successful businesses and invested in a lot of successful companies and like he literally was relying on the expertise of his assistant who it was or maybe was not my demo but yeah. you know i appreciate the effort that he put into being like, okay, well, I don't understand this. So I'm going to get someone in my office who actually does know, understand it. But then, you know, it's a different lens, right? It's not his lens. Right. Um, he would do right. with the business and he, because he's not an end consumer of the, the good or service. And so really what we have to do as women and women of color is to, you know, shop female, to vote with our wallets and use our, our purchasing power to support, build and grow female founded and female owned brands. 
Um, and then we really have to, as you know, women entrepreneurs and women who've had some success in their career, invest back into women entrepreneurs and you know, the yeah. ecosystem to grow and build the ecosystem so that we can change this paradigm for good. I love that you said that. I love that you said, I, I hope everyone listening heard what Divya just said, because that is so much reality. Like I, I cannot tell you how many times, you know, I remember when I was just, you know, playing around with my Instagram account, you know, cause I enjoyed taking pictures of random products that I liked. And I remember thinking, I was like, why is there like a J beauty and a K beauty and a, you know, X, Y, Z beauty, but there's no Indian beauty movement, know. you know, like there's no like eye beauty, like where is it? And I remember I created this like random image. It was literally eye beauty, hashtag eye beauty. And like, no one liked it. No, not even like the Indian women that I was like trying to like send it to, like, you know, like fellow micro influencers and stuff. Yeah. I was like, where's the support guys? Like, come on. Like, you know, it's not for me. It's for the idea of a exactly what you just said it's like you know if we don't all get behind this it's never yeah. going to work together you we know? can make a really big difference it's it's yeah. the actions of individuals that collectively will make a really important impact in the industry and we have to do it speaking of eye beauty i'm a huge fan of shahs and kicks i recently invested in the company it's a hair brand that's inspired Ooh. by Indian hair rituals um has incredible ingredients and phenomenal formulations and i'm want to keep it on your radar i just I oh my god yes please Instagram. True let story. me get them on skincare anarchy i want to yeah. i want to interview them yeah i literally just um i literally just discovered them on instagram and just loved them and got connected to them and invested in the company and now i have some very exciting retailer news for them which i, I can't share yet but yes um, it's, it's well, really I, see i love that this it's is amazing this, that's actually yeah it's amazing what we can do for each other yeah really yeah. it is amazing what we can do for each other if we spend the time and energy to help each other we can make big moves for everybody involved exactly and you know what's crazy is that you're saying you're saying this and i'm not even joking like with skincare anarchy sometimes i reach out to like indian brand um you know, or founders right indian founders who have created beautiful brands and they're so shocked that i'm inviting them I'm like are you kidding like of course i'm gonna invite you on to skincare anarchy you know it's like it's crazy because it's not that their people are not open to it i think it's more of like the initiative aspect you know it's like somebody needs to be like like what you're doing like at the forefront like hey you know what let's let's take some action let's do something about this and let's really invest like you said you know vote with our wallets and and do something that's going to make an impact at the end of the day you know we can sit here and talk all day about yay you know they see girl gang you know whatever but it's like at the end of the day there's so many women especially like I want to just mention this because you know this is very close to my heart like does I don't think anyone knows how many countless artists and you know creative minds there are in the South Asian community that never get noticed and I know mm -hmm. this is worldwide but like this is like a huge thing because when I was starting Skincare Anarchy I was discovering these girls because I was looking for an artist right for my logo and stuff mm -hmm. and I was finding these amazing young women that were just beautiful artists and I was like where the heck have you been you know like where have mm -hmm. you been hiding so it's like it's it's really interesting to see that yeah
Yeah. Now, and I want to ask you now, you know, I know that like, you know, once you got started with the entrepreneurship side, you know, um, I know that you've been immensely successful. I don't think I know a single person that doesn't know about Wonder Beauty and, you know, it's, it's just so great, but I, I really found it interesting that you targeted or not targeted, you marketed it in a way that it's like appealing to everybody right so like when you go to Wander's website you don't just feel like okay this is super Indian or like you know or super yeah. South Asian it's for everybody you know and yeah. so I want your take on that I want your advice on that about you know how to create a brand and still keep your cultural aspect there but like still make it for everybody you know the inclusivity yeah. part I really believe that you have to build a business that's true to your mission and for me when we were starting Wander Beauty Lindsay and I we were thinking through what resonated to us personally. And this concept of we were time starved, we're on the go, we're spending 15 minutes on our beauty routine from head to toe. Like we need fuss-free, foolproof, do-it-yourself beauty essentials. Clean beauty that you reach for every day, wherever you wander, has to be travel friendly, has to go with you wherever you want wander. And so that to us was the pain point and the promise. And we focused in on that and that's a lifestyle that's an that's a niche it's a need and we focused on that consumer regardless of her age her skin type her ethnicity her body type those things we were all agnostic to it was truly focused on this time-starved woman on the go lifestyle and so for us that's the dna of our brand at wanderbeauty.com and so we lean into that and that's i feel like you have to be something to somebody not everything to everybody and so we leaned into what our DNA as a brand was. And some brands, their DNA is, oh, we're rooted in Indian hair rituals. We're rooted in, you know, Japanese science. And so that's part of their DNA. I think you have to develop a clear brand purpose and mission and lean into it deep and yeah. really be something to somebody, not everything no. to everybody. That makes sense. And, you know, honestly, like, I just want to mention, like, especially with the brand, you know, like, it's like you, you did it so elegantly, I think, because I remember when I first tried Wander's uh, mascara, and I was like, so blown away, because I was like, this product has been formulated for everybody. But one of the biggest problems I had as a consumer and as a woman of color was the mascara I would use would not be dark enough or it wouldn't like highlight mm -hmm. my features, like dark eyes, you know, dark brown eyes. And that was there, you know, in the product. So it's almost as if like there's these subtleties that come out, you know, in this kind of well-crafted idea and brand that you've, you've created here is that, you know, it's still there and, and the inclusivity is there. You just have to look you know and it, it doesn't have to be all over the packaging it doesn't have to be <laughs> all over the logos and you know whatnot so I just I want to commend you for that because it, it's it's such a beautiful thing that you've created you know I think that's true and I think that you know we really took a lens at Wander to product innovation we yeah. wanted to innovate not imitate and we really said how can we create beauty essentials that are truly disruptive that innovate in formula in the ingredients, in the delivery system, the whole experience of how you use it and how you experience it. And so innovation was very important for us. We won seven Allure Best of Beauty Awards um, for our multitaskers that go, you know, double and triple duty. And, you know, we recently launched a new mascara called Upgraded, which, you know, has clinical data around the improvement of lash health, lash growth, lash thickness, 
less falling out of your lashes. So we really truly try and innovate and that's, you know, our true north and compass. I love that. I really love that. And then congratulations, by the way, on the new launch. That's amazing. I I hope everyone listening, you better go check it out. (laughs) That's amazing. No, I, I, you know, and I actually, that brings up a a topic for me because I think um, for women of color, this is something I've noticed and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've noticed that education is really at the center of our entire life. You know, like we, like I, I've more, more often than not, when I talk to someone who's from a different, you know, cultural background and whatnot, it's, it's like their education aspect is on point. And I want you to comment on that and what you think about that, because I, you know, I, I think that that's very important to highlight, like the, the difference between a woman who is, you know, has gone out of her way to educate herself and, and get the, whether it's academic or self-educated, whatever it is. And then, you know, how that plays into just being um, an entrepreneur as, you know, someone of color. Um, I think that education was critically important for me and training is critically important for me. Same with messaging. I personally found traditional education to be the right path for me. And I'm incredibly socially, um, intellectually curious, I would say, socially curious, intellectually curious. I'm always open and interested in learning new things. And so for me, school was big. Like I went to undergrad, I went to culinary school, I did my master's. You know, for others, it's not the right path. And I know and respect that. Um, So no judgment on how people learn. Everyone has a different way they learn. For me, I think one of the biggest things was I learn a lot through travel. I get incredibly inspired by going to new countries, visiting new places, walking new cities, exploring new art, you know, eating different foods. Like that cultural awakening is very inspiring in terms of tapping into my personal creativity. Um, So that's where I get a lot of fuel from my soul is by traveling. I travel a lot. I mean, COVID has been brutal for me because I couldn't travel, but I just came back from Mexico City recently. I'm going to Paris for a few days in December, then Madrid, then I come back, then I'm actually going to visit the Dali Museum in Florida. Um, then I oh, I back, love that I... museum. Oh, my gosh. Oh, really? I, I haven't been. Yeah. I was Oh, my God. You've got to. Oh, my God. I took so many pictures. You're going to really? love it. Yeah. The He's my favorite St. artist. Petersburg? Yeah, What's that? I, the Dali Museum in St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amazing. And then I'm it's going amazing. to Bogota, Colombia um, at the end of the month. So in December. So I'm really just that's that's what fuels me and inspires me. That's amazing. And I love that. And I think that, you know, um, that's a very, very important point is the, you know, the idea of traveling and the idea of being open minded to people's, you know, um, just cultures and wanting to see what it's like to be in someone else's shoes for, you know, a week or a month or however long you go overseas. That's very important. And I think I brought this point up on Skincare Anarchy once. and And I remember talking to I think it was an editor I was speaking to and we were discussing how she also really enjoyed traveling. And I was like, you know, I think people who make that a part of their life, they look at things in a very, like, it's automatic that their lens is more diverse, their lens is more inclusive, it's, it's less biased, it's, you know, it's just more accepting, and I really believe that. You know, I think that the more you see of this world, and you, like, you know, I, I tell my friends who've never been, like, you know, 
to like certain areas of the world, especially the East, you know, it's like, you know, why don't you take a day and go to Mumbai and see the people and go and visit the slums of Mumbai and go and visit these areas of the world that will show you what humanity is experiencing and don't feel sorry for them but learn from them. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, if you do that, when you come back, it's going to be like, as if everything around you doesn't shock you anymore. It makes you, I think, more solution oriented more than anything, you know? So I think that broadens your horizons in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I completely, completely resonate with what you said about traveling. I think it's, it's so important. And it's hard, you know, it's hard for people. But that's also, you know, it ties into the education aspect, too. I mean, if you educate yourself, you and you establish, especially as a woman, you know, like, I, I think as women, like, we need to really be self-sufficient, especially financially. And, you know, it gives you so many freedoms. So that's why I ask about education, because I know for me growing up, my parents were like, you know, you need to be in a field that you're going to be able to sustain yourself, you know, outside of everybody else. So that's why I asked about that, because I think that some cultures propagate it more than others. You know what I mean? So that, that's really where I was going with that. Um, I want to ask you, though, because I want you to give some advice. You know, there are so many young women now, especially, um, you know, young ladies who are from, you know, either South Asian backgrounds or maybe Latin backgrounds or, you know, African-American backgrounds and everyone wants to make their mark in this world, right? Like at the end of the day, we all have that desire in some place in our heart. And I want to ask you for advice for them in terms of like how to approach like whatever it is, whether, you know, maybe you can talk about entrepreneurship more so than anything else and, and how to approach that, what kind of mindset you should have. I think the mindset is find a problem in your life and find a solution and create a business that is solving a true problem and really be able to speak to why you are uniquely positioned to be able to solve that problem. Why you? What is it about your background, your expertise, your upbringing that makes you the right person to start this business and solve this problem? And I think that's really where the success comes from. And, you know, tap into your superpowers, tap into your culture, your heritage, or whatever it is that is giving you a unique advantage. Don't shy away from it, own it and be authentically you. And that's where you'll see the most success. I love that. I really love that. Yeah. And I agree. You know, I think that for a lot of people, like, it's very hard to fit in. And that's another thing, like, I really wanted to ask you about, like, growing up, did you feel like you fit into, like, the Indian crowd of kids? Or were you kind of just, you know, your own self? I've always struggled with this thing, because my parents were born in India and grew up in India. And they're truly what I call very Indian. They, Mm -hmm. my dad moved here to do his master's. My mom had an arranged marriage with my father and came here post-marriage. But both my parents always had one foot in India. They were always traveling back and forth. All their family was there. You know, we are not one of those families where all our relatives came here and moved to America. Quite the contrary. All all of our relatives and everybody was still in India. So I I never felt at home per se anywhere in my life because when you think about my upbringing, I was born in America but I had one foot in India. I was traveling back and forth every break, December, you know, Christmas time, summertime, and spending time with my family in India. So I never truly, you know, being born in America, 
with brown skin and being Indian, I never truly felt American and accepted in American culture. Um, yeah. And then when I was in India, I was born in America and spoke Hindi with an American accent. So I, I never really felt like I belonged there either. So it's just this yeah. kind of, I don't know, missing place that I feel like was my home. It was just neither here nor there. Um, and I, and I still feel that way. And I feel that way about my children. I think that they have, you know, a mother who's, you know, in many ways, very Indian. Um, and even though they're born and raised here, they still have a lot of that culture, um, yeah. which makes them feel neither a part of being truly here or truly there. I think that that's a, I, I think that's a pro though, you know, overall, because that lets you align, I think, so much easier with people. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm split with it. And I asked you that because, like, I know that, like, growing up, like, as a millennial, there were, especially in college, there were so many cliques. Like, there was always, like, that they see girl clique or, like, you know, the Indian club for cultural activities. And I remember thinking, like, at that age, I was like, I don't like I never identified with it even though I also grew up very Indian you know in a very Indian household mm -hmm. and that, that's where I, I really wanted to see because I don't know what that line is between you know balancing your culture and then rejecting it you know what I'm trying to say like it's like it's like I've never understood that either yeah I understand what you're saying completely and I've lived it and yeah. it's, just, it's so challenging really yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think it's important to kind of talk about that because, you know, like nowadays, I don't know what it's like for kids, you know, I don't know what, you know, the communities and the the groups that kids, you know, interact in what it's like, but I know back then it was very like, almost segregated, you know, there were there were groups of people, there were all the, mm -hmm. all the black kids, all the Indian kids, all the white kids, and it was like, then it was like me. <laughs> You know, I was just like, what? So yeah, it's it's really a it's a, it's a weird time, you know, growing up when you kind of belong to different cultures and whatnot. But you know, I want to ask you though, in terms of like all of the, you know, like right now, I think we're in a really special time in terms of women, young women of different backgrounds coming into different kinds of careers. You know, growing up, I know for a lot of Indian kids, it was their engineering, law, medicine or right. something right. like that right and it was like right. those are your options pick one and go with it and now right. I feel like the idea of art and music and you know entrepreneurship and all these yeah. things are just becoming normal so like you know I want I want you to like talk about that a little bit and what you think and you know any any wisdom you have for those kids listening if anyone's listening in that age group you know I really believe that if you do what you love it doesn't feel like work Yep. And so I am a huge believer that in that and following your passion, following what you were truly meant to do in life and, you know, following your calling. And so I just believe that people should do that. And that's just where I am. Um, I want my kids to do whatever fills their cup, like whatever really feels authentically real and exciting and right for them. And so I don't um, believe in pushing and pressuring people to do things that they are not cut out to nor want to do. And yeah. so I'm just, you know, of that philosophy. And that's just my personal, you know, experience. My parents never pushed me to be a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that. Um, I think they kind of left things very open for us. Um, and they weren't big on like, you know, having daughters who had big careers um, because that's not how they grew up. 
Um, but once I, you know, made it my path, I think they just kind of went with the flow. I can't say they were incredibly supportive or excited about it, but they yeah. just kind of dealt with it for what it was. Um, I hope to be way more supportive with my children and allowing them to pursue the passions that they so decide, you know, whether it's, you know, art or photography or music or things that are non-traditionally like, you know, not the traditional Indian careers. I, I yeah. want my kids to do what makes them happy. I love that. They're very lucky to have you as a mom. <laughs> you know, if any of them are listening, you're very lucky. You know, you have a great mom. No, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, for me, it wasn't, it was the same way, but it was always like, I always got the whole um, comment of, well, you're at this age now and you know how it is for girls and women when you get to a certain age with your career. Now, I just used to be like, what? What do you yeah. mean? You know what I mean? It right. was just like this, like over, like this looming, like thing that I had to deal with. And it was like, I, I really want women everywhere to like, not have to deal with that anymore. Like, you know what I mean? We need to have things that are like other options. And this is exactly, and you know, circling back to what you said about supporting each other, this goes on, this really applies on so many different levels because for example, if you're a woman, like I can tell you from my experience in medicine, there is, there are very few women who can get through a residency and then a fellowship and then yeah. establish a practice and still have four kids yeah, in that time period. Very challenging. You know what I mean? So like, and then to not be able to have the support of like whatever organization you work it's with to like, village. for example, yeah, it really yeah. Takes the village. It's a challenge. And so, you know, to do things like freezing your eggs or to talk about things, you know, that are like yeah. planning your, you know, family. Those are things that we all have to do as women together. And I feel like that's a huge area that needs to be talked about, you know, and, and we need to like really explore that because it, men are not going to do it. <laughs> Let's be real. Right. You know, this is not a problem they deal with on a daily basis. So, right. you know, yeah, like I just, you know, I think that that's also, so that's what I mean. It's like, you know, it's a multi-layered conversation. It's something that, you know, supporting women, it's, it's deeper than we realize. And it's, it goes a lot further than we realize. And I, and I absolutely, you know, I commend you so much for all of your hard work. I mean, you are really, I think, for a lot of women, a lot of young women, and even, you know, in your colleagues, in your peer group, like you're, you know, someone I, I really look up to you. I think you've done such an extraordinary job. I think you've really, you know, created something that everyone can identify with. And that's huge, you know? So I just, I, I'm so thankful to know you and for you coming onto the show. Thank you so much. This mm -hmm. has been so lovely. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to be here and thanks for having me as a guest. Um, looking forward to staying in touch. If anyone has any questions for me, they can just DM me on Instagram. That's the best way to reach me. I'm at D-G-U-G-N-A-N-I. So at D-Gugnani, you can ask away anything you want to chat with me about via Instagram. Love that. I hope you guys reach out and I hope you guys leave some comments, some feedback and let us know what you thought about the episode. And yeah, um, hopefully Divya, I can uh, bug you to come back sometime and talk about something else, you know that's bugging both of us or is on our mind. <laughs> you bet. So, that's yeah. soon. Awesome. Take care. Bye-bye.